And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Paul Long, who'll be sitting in for the esteemed Matt Watson today. Now, before I let Paul actually speak, because when this guy speaks, you're going to notice, I'm going to tell you... You're in for some interesting stuff today. You know I like it when you're interactive. So I want you to start by going to fundamism.com. So you can check out some of this and maybe even just see the amazing apparel that today's guest wears as a public speaker, a consultant, a guy that helps me sometimes go, woo! Seven, eight in the morning. Anyway, with us today, we have Paul Long, the guy at Fundamism. The guy. What's good, Matt DeCourcy? It's good to hear uh, from you and good to be on your podcast, brother. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to have you. And what's good? Oh, life, man. Life just ups, downs, accepting it all and knowing that in the end, everything always works out for That's me. exactly right. Uh, and we started the day off with a good Ric Flair. Woo! And uh, that's a great damn day to me. You inspired that, dude. You've been <laughs> on my Facebook feed every morning. I open it up. And, I, and, and here's the thing. I, I will tell you, I absolutely appreciate the fact that you are doing this in an unfinished basement in front of like a used uh, workout bench. <laughs> And, you know, like, I don't even have to have the sound on because your animation is like, it's very interesting. Now, as someone who is a high energy person myself, I've learned that there can be ups to that. There can be downs to that. There are difficulty controlling it. It's sometimes difficult to put lightning in a bottle. My wife told me today when I said, hey, this dude's on our podcast today. She's like, hey, that's like you when you're not on your Adderall. I was like, well, we'll see what happens. And I asked her if she wanted to be on the show with us. And she was like, no, nah, I don't think it's the right one for me. <laughs> so she said that about about 350 other shows. But so, dude, what's fundamentalism? Uh, so fundamentalism could be defined as the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. And so while I greatly appreciate your, uh, your intro and showering with me with praise, uh, you left out two key titles, um, Master of Shenanies, uh, and uh, expert at jackassery. So ultimately, if you think about fundamism, it's it's whatever you do for fun. You know, you had mentioned life has ups and downs. And once you accept that and you understand that even if you're on cloud nine, you're going to get knocked down a peg or two. Uh, and even if you're all the way down at notch zero, it's going to pass. This too shall pass. So fundamism is a deliberate approach to happiness by gravitating more towards the things that lift you up as opposed to the things that don't. What you are referencing is something that gives me a great deal of strength, which we talked about a little bit briefly uh, before. Music. Whenever I'm feeling in a, in a rut or a, a funk, if you will, I remove the K and I turn that funk into fun, put on some good music with purpose, and I freaking dance and sing and act like a damn fool. And as a result, it always lifts me up. And a byproduct of that most recently is what you're seeing. People are saying that it lifts them up as well. You know, I got to agree with you. And I mentioned like I was yelling Ric Flair, woo, this morning. And I wasn't doing that because I'm a professional wrestling fan. I really actually don't know a whole lot about Ric Flair other than that and that he's fucking awesome. Um, but with that, that's how I get myself going. Now, I, you know, working from home is a different, okay, working from home is a challenge because when you get up and you get ready for work and you drive and you do some other stuff, you take yourself out of a stagnant state in a lot of places. Now, one of the things I've done for years, and I worked in the music industry for years, 
I belt it out. So like you'll hear me singing and like I've got I've got a few go-tos. Uh, this morning I saw you dancing to Good Vibrations by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> I did appreciate the disclaimer where you openly understood and admitted that you're not a great singer or dancer, but you're going to have fun. Now, I appreciated that. So, yeah. Well, so along those lines, you know what's funny is music gives so many people in this world power uh, and energy. But if you ask anybody, hey, would you sing a song in front of a bunch of people or dance? There's just like this dramatic fear associated with that. One of my favorite quotes in the whole entire world, Matt, I'm sure you heard it is, don't worry about what people think about you because they don't think about you. And True. we allow everybody's it. perspective yep. of us yep. to like inhibit uh, the the authentic self that we put out there. I don't give a shit if you don't like the way that I sing or the way that I dance. It makes me feel good. And ultimately, the people want to roll, they're going to roll. You know, I, I want to add on to that. So, you know, it was, oh man, I mean, 20 years ago, I was talking to a woman that I knew that was getting a divorce and she was having, she was struggling because she didn't want to do things like go and eat at a restaurant by herself. And she's like, and I said to her, I, here's the crazy thing. I can't even remember this lady's name. I was like, Hey, look, you need to understand everyone's really fucking selfish and self-absorbed. They're not looking at you. They're thinking about themselves. I saw her later and she told me that that changed her life. Hmm. Because as she went, she went to back to the restaurant, she looked around, nobody was looking at her. No. And she's like, I, I really thought about that. And that's that whole thing. It's like, who gives a shit? If it, I mean, if it makes you feel good and it, you're not harming, you're not creating harm. So like Buddhism, rule one, cause no harm. Right. And outside of that, and that's a good place to start with stuff. And, you know, like it is what it is. But if it gets you going and you're having fun now, now look. For guys like you and guys like me, we're going to do shit like that. And I mentioned if you work with me, eventually I'm, I'm coming around the corner like Ric Flair. Yeah. And, and that's what I think keeps it fun. But some people, and these are the people I don't want to hang out with anyway because they're like negative haters. Some people just fucking hate me. <laughs> they're like, how can you be optimistic and having fun? <laughs> so like, what do you have to say about those people? Like, I mean, I get them out of my life. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I don't care. Well, so before I answer, I mean, I'd like to address the fact that I can't be naive and we can't be naive and believing that we don't have bad days, right? I mean, everybody has a bad day. And I think to you have them all the time. Go ahead. Oh, you have them all the time, you say? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think the key there is, is um, you know, to get to this place where I felt 100% comfortable. And I could honestly say that 100%, that's probably giving myself too much credit. But I'm damn near close to being 100% comfortable in my own skin and not embarrassed by whatever happens. Life is a series of experience. And there were times where I was revealing my true authentic self and it wasn't received, especially in corporate America. And so uh, while some accepted it and some didn't, I hailed from a uh, call center background. I was really out there. I wasn't necessarily the conservative call center rep that, that folks were accustomed to. So I will say I that you did well at it. Yeah, well, I did. I did because I go back to what you said, like I wasn't harming anybody. And at the root of everything, I genuinely care about people. Like what we're doing right now is my favorite thing in the world to do is just connect with individuals and learn about them and be curious genuinely. So I guess my question to you is before uh, we revert back to my answer. Have you always been this comfortable in your own skin and doing the damn thing and not giving a crap about everybody else and what they think? Um, no. So, you know, I've dropped out of five colleges and now I'm a junior. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, I know. I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I come from a highly educated family. I grew up in Leawood, Kansas. And for those of you listening outside of the Kansas City area, I come from a neighborhood where people generally do well. Um, and there's a lot of expectations on the kids. And I have a sister that's an anesthesiologist, you know, dad that's the judge and different stuff. And I didn't have a traditional education. So until I was around 25 years old, I, I kind of discredited my own capability because I had a lot of people telling me they're like, oh, well, you need this, you need that. And at that point, you're, you don't really have a, any job history or experience. And you're trying to, uh, you need to have this, you need to have that. 
at, in my mid twenties, I really figured out that none of that shit mattered. Um, and I don't want to downplay people that have a degree, but a degree on many levels just says that you're trainable for sure. Um, and then I found things that went well. I pursued sales, which I excelled at and did well at, and no one gave a shit. If I had a college degree, if I was yanking that arm on the cash register all day. They were like, dude, I wasted money going to college. So I had to kind of come into my own on that a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, once I got past that, uh, and, the, and you know, the, the way I got past that was I started looking around at so many people that I knew that were highly successful. And I realized that they didn't have a whole, they didn't really have other than like a piece of paper from like a school they didn't necessarily have different qualities than I had. I felt that I, I, I uh, some of them were smarter than me, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be successful. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, once I got past that, I was all right with it. Um, you know, kind of grew into that. I, and about 10 years ago, I kind of, and don't take this the wrong way listeners, but I kind of just quit caring what people thought. And mm. I don't mean that in a bad way. Sure. I wasn't like, well, fuck you. I don't care if you care if I'm an asshole. No, not like that. But, you know, there's eight, seven, eight billion people on this planet, like theoretically and mathematically, there's no way I could get every single one of them to like me. So, you know, as a salesperson, I learned that there are two four letter words that mattered: sold and next, because mm. um, you move on to that next person. And if I, and I, I really got to the point where if I got around people that weren't into my energy or what I did or didn't buy into my mission, I could very comfortably and easily say next and move on and, you know, do it in a way I wasn't, it was just, Hey, you know, it is what it is. I think trying to salvage and bring some people out of that mode, it, it, it's up to them. I can't control what other people do or think or feel. Um, I can, I can, you know, attempt, right. but in the end people are like, Oh, it's they They blame, they blame, 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 blame. And you know, like, uh, it's like the person that gets a, a speeding ticket on the way to work and they're, they're blaming the police officer. I'm like, <laughs> you made the decision to go too fast in a school zone. It's not, it's not that person's fault. And, you know, so I, you know, as I push people like that out of my life and gain some more confidence now with that, much like yourself as a speaker, you know, we started a podcast, we Ooh. started doing a lot of different stuff. Some of that stuff works and some of it doesn't. And I, I, I became comfortable with the fact that, um, all parts of my identity were not tied to everything being perfect or everything being like, or being right, or everybody liking me. In fact, as a CEO of a company with a couple hundred people, I will tell you that sometimes when I'm doing my best job not everybody likes me. Right. For sure. It is what it is. So, yeah, I think it was the great Rick James that said cocaine is the hell of a drug. Uh, but, or, or was it, was it Rick James? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. But yeah. what he failed to address is so too is ego. Ego is a hell of a drug. And what you had just mentioned is, um, there was an epiphany moment for you when you realized that, uh, you didn't say this in so many words, but you came around the subject and that we don't have as much control over other people's thoughts and emotions as we give ourselves credit for. Yes we could create an environment where they could feel comfortable or want to move or feel motivated or inspired or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, you asked me, what do, what say you to these haters that aren't, uh, that aren't accustomed to your shenanigans? Well, I say to them, I don't know you. I don't know what's driving your hate. Uh, I know that if, if you're not in love with me, um, then most likely you first have to love yourself. And there's probably yep. a gap or a void there. I can't get everybody to love me. That's not my intent. My intent is to create some form of brain pattern interrupt to get you out of whatever negative headspace you're in and into the uh, space where you aspire to be. So, so to the haters, I say, listen, I understand that deep down in your heart of hearts, you don't want to be in a rut all the time or have bad days. Uh, but I'm going to stick with you and I'm going to try and give you a shot because don't ever judge the face if you can't judge the heart. Yeah. You know, in regards to bad days, one of the things that I think was really helpful for me is, you know, every day you wake up, you get a new one. Um, and if you just try to do a little bit better than you did yesterday, uh, well, first off you avoid falling into ruts and that's not a huge expectation. Right. Like if you do one, if you did 1% better at whatever, 
this isn't just business or this is just life. You know, your, your personal, your professional, your physical life, doing 1% better in any of those, you start stringing a bunch of days like that together. You, if you were a stock, you would, everyone would be buying. Right. And, and, you know, but that, but that's, I, that, that's the thing is trying to catch yourself when you're on that, that slide downward and be like, Hey, you know, like, um, in, in my book, balance me, I talk a lot about it, the, in the second page of it, it says, look, if you're not willing to admit that you are probably your own biggest problem, put the book back. Cause I can't help you. Boom. And people get pissed off about that. Like, but I look at, I look at things in a very binary way and they're like, well, what about someone with a, with a drinking problem? I'm like at the very bottom of the funnel, it was a yes or no. Do I have a drink or not? They're like, there's so much more to it. I'm like, but we're talking on the most basic levels. So you can look at a lot of that stuff as very binary and it, it, you know, yes, there's a lot more components to it, but in the end, we're the ones that usually are saying yes and no. Now there are violations of that rule. Sometimes bad shit happens to people that don't deserve it, but you know, it's, it's still in the end, part of that healing process is accepting that we have to take responsibility for ourselves and our own happiness. So 100%, I had the opportunity to interview a gentleman by the name of Kyle Haven, who's a, a senior VP at a local organization here in Kansas city. And he talked very much uh, extensively and, and, uh, exposed all aspects of vulnerability when he was talking about his struggle with alcoholism. And, uh, he talked about, you know, the fact that his wife would come to him and she'd say, what can I do to help you through this? And the answer to, to the question was always, nobody could do anything for me. I need to make the decision that I'm ready to move on and be done with this aspect of my life. So while I understand that people may push back, uh, to some level or extent on what you're saying, I believe that there's a hundred percent truth in it. So what it was, it was it, Mickey Mouse that said, if every, if every moment was magical, we wouldn't have magic moments. Uh, I don't think that's who quoted it. I think it was Eleanor <laughs> Roosevelt. That's who it was. It might've been Abraham Lincoln there. on his Twitter yes. feed. You I think it, it was his Twitter feed. I think he just tweeted that out the other day. Um, he also tweeted out the, uh, the statistic that said 85% of all facts on the internet are false. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was a verified account or not. Um, okay. So once again, with us today, Paul Long, Fundamism, go to fundamism.com. Now, Paul, you, you, uh, you're a speaker. There's on your website, there's quite a few reels of you speaking. You're on there. I see you with Travis Kelsey from the chiefs and some different people. Let's talk, let's, let's, let's talk about what it takes to have, to be a public speaking startup. And before we hit record, we talked about this because I talk to so many people that want to do this and have, and I tell them, I'm like, you, you need to understand it is easier for you to go get a job mm. than to try to build a business around this because there's so many people that'll speak for free and so many places that don't have a budget to want to do it. So it's hard. There's a lot of competition out there. So let's talk about that for a second. Give us a little background about how you got into that or if you got any good stories with it. Well, for sure. So whatever you you got, (laughs) I got it all. Uh, Love it. (laughs) So, I mean, first of all, I never spoke this. I never chose the speaking industry. I, uh, as mentioned before, I was a call center rep. I, you know, went up the corporate ladder and my career culminated as a uh, director of call center operations for a fortune 300 company. We were located out in Portland, Oregon. I was miserable because I was trying to change a culture that, uh, wasn't necessarily ready to change as fast as I was pushing it to. And as a result, I was beating my head against the wall a lot. And I remember going home, uh, one particular night, we had a brand new baby. I wasn't present as a father. I, uh, was in the bottle every single night. I smoked a lot of weed. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Um, but I did those all as uh, escape mechanisms to get out of my head. And I remember it was my wife uh, as I had tears in my eyes. uh, I put my head on her shoulder and she said, Paul, you've been talking about fundamentalism for years. She says the world needs it, but you need it more than anyone. I encourage you to chase your dreams. So I gave my two weeks notice uh, the next day, Matt. And um, interestingly enough, you talked about being in control. And I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to talk to Scott Havens, uh, local KP oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Scott. legend. Scott and I had the opportunity to talk the other day. And he was like, you know, you just jumped uh, without a parachute full on into 
being a self-employed individual? What was that like? Well, I didn't give it that much thought, to be honest. So historically, as a top performer uh, in this organization, despite the fact that I always got great reviews, Matt, I uh, worried every single day about losing my job. They never gave me any indicator that I was going to lose my job or, or said that I didn't add value to the organization. Matter of fact, they said quite the opposite. But the fact that I wasn't in control of my fate, I felt like if they downsized, if something were to happen, if the economy were to blow up, then who would be left out? Potentially me. So then I was offered this opportunity as a 1099 contractor to do consulting, uh, first client being uh, AT&T. And I thought to myself, man, if I worry every single day about not having a paycheck, I'm going to drive myself literally nuts if I'm a 1099 contractor and all of that falls on my shoulders. Well, against my better judgment, I, uh, I, I gave my two weeks. I became a 1099 contractor and uh, then the ball started rolling. My speaking career uh, really began by happenstance. So this gentleman calls me. Uh, I would say he's a, a mutual connect. Don't even know him very well. He says he's double booked for a speaking engagement for the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America in Lawrence, Kansas. He says, hey, Paul, can you do a keynote? I said, I've never done a keynote, but let's get it. So I do the keynote. I write the content a week before, deliver it. It's probably 60 to 70, 99% uh, white males between the ages of 45 and 65. I deliver the experience. We have a great time. I get a call roughly two weeks later from a speaker's bureau out of Iowa. She says, my name is uh, Angela. I'm with Midwest Speakers Bureau. How much do you charge for a keynote? Somebody wants to book you. I said, I have no idea. She says, well, what's your website? I said, I don't have one, ma'am. She says, well, what do you speak on? I said, well, this is what I spoke on for this crew. And uh, I said, ma'am, I'm going to tell you something you may not uh, already know about me. I'm somewhat ignorant in the speaking space. Can you help me? And she said, I'll never forget this, Matt. She says, I'm sorry, I can't. She says, you know, the number of speakers that reach out to me every single week asking for help, I just don't have the bandwidth. And quite honestly, I'm not sure that you have uh, the grit and skill necessary to succeed. So I said, oh, that's cool. We booked that deal. Somebody in that audience wanted to book me. Somebody in that audience wanted to book me. And then ultimately it just became this domino effect where engagement after engagement, I just did the damn thing and what I was good at. And here we are. You mentioned the, the I, in, I, I mentioned my book, Balance Me, before. Um, I am quoted in that, sometimes you have to jump and then build wings. Yes. And the thing is, is, is nothing, there's a couple things with that. Nothing will make you work faster to build those wings than the impending doom of the canyon floor. But you got to make sure you have all the stuff you need to build the wings before you jump off. Yes. Because trying to acquire the materials on the way down to the to the ground is bad. For sure. Now, um, it, it, now in my in another book, Million Dollar Bedroom, I talk about my accidental business, which led to most of the things that I do today. I think a lot. So many entrepreneurs and successful people I talk to, they're like, "Well, I kind of didn't." It, it's almost as if it, you. I'm not a big like fate and destiny person, but you know, it's like sometimes these things find you, you have to, as an entrepreneur, it's your job to be looking for those opportunities. You know, you weren't like, Hey, I'm going to be a professional speaker, but if you see the opportunity, you chase it down. I think the important part too is, and I have, you know, I have a similar story because after my book balance me came out, uh, there was, I went and gave a speech to the fraternity executives of, of America. I did not realize that fraternities were like corporations. So I, I went down to Tampa and I spoke to like 600 people and the lady booked me because she, my book was ranked just below Tim Ferriss's book. And she had reached out to him and he was like 50 grand and I was five. <laughs> so she was really, she was like, Hey, look, I'll be honest. I wanted to get Tim Ferriss. I can't afford him. So <laughs> here we are. And I was like, so it was like humbling and encouraging at the same time. But, you know, I totally, I, I said, you know, I kind of similar to you. I was like, look, I don't do this a whole lot. I got a lot of other stuff to do. I want to do it and I will, it, it'll be pro. But I realized at that point that getting that first gig is, is challenging. And, you know, so that's the thing is like a lot of the stuff that like, we want to see your reel. Where are you on Ted? You know, like all this different shit. Like what's it, if, if you want to be a speaker 
I think you just got to go out and like, if you want to get started with that, go do it for free and, and go talk to people as much and often as you can, because if it's meant to happen, you'll figure it out. And, you know, more people would rather die than speak publicly. It's, it's, it's a lot harder than you might think world to stand in front of your peers and, you know, deliver credible anything. Um, I mean, it, it, and you know, also as well, like, I mean, dude, I had to come proper. Like I wasn't prepared for any of that. Like it, I definitely earned my money on that one, but gave a great speech. I still have that. And it's something that I've given again and again, but you know, there's, there's a, it's a challenge to kind of break into that. Um, do, do, you, do you have any funny story? Have you had a speech go wrong? Uh, listen, when you have your expectations are twofold. So every group I speak of, I tell them that I intend to, to have two primary things happen today. I'm going to laugh at all my jokes and I'm going to have the best of times. Listen, Matt, if, if my goal is to have the best of times and to laugh at all my jokes, then no one holds my value in their hands. Uh, the expectations are completely on my shoulders. What I found is when I'm having a good time and I'm laughing at my jokes, then typically people want to be a part of that. It's just like your podcast. Like when, when you're authentic and you're real, real and you're, you're cool with uh, not putting up a wall or a facade of, of what you want people to see you as, but rather just the authentic version of yourself, then a lot of times people are like, Fuck yeah. Like that's me. Like somebody commented on one of my posts the other day, uh, as they reshared it. Yes. He's a total spaz, but it's all deliberate. Check him out and you'll love it. So when you ask about funny stories, uh, I would say I have tons of funny stories, but not necessarily about one that went wrong. Uh, one of my favorites and and this just happened recently. It was a, um, a farm bureau client in a specific state chapter. And I talk a lot about uh, connecting to life through fun. And so fundamentalism is defined as the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. Fun is an acronym. The F stands for your foundation. Uh, You've mentioned a lot about the experiences that have helped shape you, why you are the way that you are, um, the things that you've done. All of this is build your personal foundation. The U is understanding others' perspectives. How do you draw a a strong connection with others and create memorable interactions? And the N is is, uh, building a uh, a strategy for success. So how do you outline how to grow those wings, as you mentioned earlier, Matt? Um, so one of the one of the things that I do on stage is I'll talk about the impact people have made. And so I'll call out specific individuals that I had met either in the elevator or in the audience or whatever it may be over the course of the last couple of hours. So then in this particular audience, I said, sometimes people have an impact on you and they aren't even aware that they've done so. I jump off stage and I walk all the way down in the back row of this room filled with 650 plus people. And I say like you, sir, what is your name? And for the sake of the podcast, I'm just going to say, he says, his name is Zach. I said, Zach, I just want to say that you have the most glorious mullet I have ever seen in my whole entire life. Now, like you, Matt, everybody in the audience starts busting up laughing, right? And I said, Matt, don't get it twisted. When I say I love your, your mullet, I mean it, brother. Because it tells me something about you. You're comfortable in your own skin. Now, whether people love a mullet or hate a mullet, you know that by wearing, sporting that cut, people are going to take a second look at you. And you're cool with it. You're comfortable with that. And I admire that. So 55 minutes pass. Uh, We then go and we do like a breakout cocktail hour. And Zach calls me over in the corner. He looks at me and, you know, he's got his Wranglers and his boots on. And he's a big cat with a big old mullet. Calls me over. I come over and he goes, uh, extends his hand. He goes, I just want to say thank you, brother. And I said, what are you thanking me for? He goes, uh, man, I, I struggle a lot uh, getting out of my head. I, I worry a lot about how people uh, perceive me and, and how they think about me. And I said, well, why, do you, why are you like that? And he said, you know, ever since I was junior high and high school, I had really bad acne. And he said, you wouldn't know it now, but, you know, back then I had craters on my face and my face was just terrible. And it, it scarred me so much that even to this day, when people look at me in my face, I'm self-conscious about it. He said, believe it or not, the mullet is the vehicle that I'm using myself to get out of my head and build self-confidence. And you called me out like that in front of everybody. He says, and I quote, the Lord works in mysterious ways, 
shakes my hand and we go our separate ways. Is that not crazy? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I like the fact that you acknowledged that you thought that Zach might just punch you. <laughs> Um, and you know, that's part of it. So, yeah, man, I think, you know, some of the, there's things that identify ourselves now, uh, you know, and, and kind of moving down the line here. So, uh, a lot of people recognize me because I have a world-class collection of gold shoes. I probably own 50 pairs of sneakers or other types of shoes that are, that are fucking gold. And I mean, sometimes like I have, I mean, all kinds of gold. I started at the end of 2016, I was talking to uh, the Olympics had, had, uh, had occurred and I was talking to my staff and I was given this, we got to really go for the gold here. And I was like, how can I really drive this home? So I bought everybody a pair of gold tennis shoes. And I realized later that as I would look down, if I, if I was hanging my head, I would look down and these shoes would shine back up at me as an entrepreneur. It was a very, it was a very good indicator. Okay, dude, get back to chasing that. Yes. Pick your head back up. So I started wearing gold shoes. I decided those would be my trademark. I started giving people gold shoes that had done cool stuff with me. It's become a big thing. Now, dude, I'm telling you, I've got gold shoes that like I get people fucking pull over in cars and like roll down their windows. And like, I mean, it's, it's, but people remember me. I'm the gold shoe guy. Yes. And it's been kind of interesting. Now I've had so many people that are like, dude, how I, you're so brave to wear them. I'm like, it's a fucking pair of shoes, man. I'm not right. like, you know, I'm not like, I, I don't know. There's not a lot of bravery involved, <laughs> but I've had a lot of people comment on that. I've also painted myself in a corner because if I go to any type of event or do anything and I don't wear gold shoes, people are like, what are we like chopped liver? You don't <laughs> care. You're not even going to like, but I really do have probably 50 pairs of gold shoes. Now for you, you are a man of the bow tie. I am a man about so, the bow tie life. Let's talk with Tell me about that. How did that happen? Well, so, uh, I get my haircut in mission, Kansas, a place called Zithium. And there's this gentleman by the name of Mike Kaufman. I've been working with for, five plus years, just a great guy. And, uh, he was always rocking. He's super petite guy. He's always rocking short sleeve shirts with bow ties. And I'm like, damn, I love that look. Like it's the first time I've ever seen it, but I love it. And so I'm like, Hey, uh, where do you find your bow ties? He says, I make them. So, I mean, nice. this guy makes, uh, I have where's Waldo. I have Dr. Seuss. I have family guy. I mean, you, uh, the Hulk, you name a bow tie. I probably have it. And so it just became my, uh, it became my, my, my signature move. Like I, I'd go to a group, I'd have my bow tie on and inevitably again, love it or hate it. It always made somebody feel comfortable talking with me. Hey, where'd you get the bow tie? Or why do you wear a bow tie? Or I've never seen a bow tie with a short sleeve shirt or whatever it may be. And so it created a comfort level for people to come up. And, and as you know, uh, speaking on multiple occasions, if you could have one, two, maybe five people in your camp that are comfortable because you connected with them over a bow tie or you showed a genuine interest in them before you even got on stage, dude, you're winning because ultimately energy begets energy. And now all of a sudden you got five people clapping and saying your name. Well, then the other 10 are like, well, damn, maybe, maybe he is okay. And then it just builds and the energy continues to build. So now it is the, it, I, I have more conversations about my, my shoes. <laughs> it, I mean, it's shocking. Like I literally, I I've met a significant amount. I've done a, my, the shoes do the networking for me. On yes. A lot of these things. Like, <laughs> I mean, people come over, they'd be like, Hey man, I just gotta say those fucking shoes are amazing. <laughs> I'm like, cool, man. The next thing you know, you're talking, it's like a CEO of some company. And here's the thing is, I'm a 44 year old white dude with two kids from the suburbs of Kansas city. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not really your, your typical, uh, person that you would expect to, you know, rock it, rocking that, but Hey man, it's, it's my thing. I own it. I have a lot of fun with it. I enjoy it. I think that it makes me stand out. It's memorable. And I think if you're going to be a speaker or an influencer or something like that, uh, it's not, it doesn't hurt. It For doesn't sure. hurt to have some consistency with that. Now, look, I'm at fundamism.com and you can also go to, uh, is it, is it Paul J long? Paul J long. Yes, sir. So, okay. so now I'm at fundamism and that's F U N D A mism. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, you got a really fucking ugly shirt on with an even <laughs> uglier tie right in the banner and you're, you're covering your eyes yeah. possibly because you're looking in the mirror. <laughs> 
I don't know, but I mean, that's my point is like, it, Hey, they, they commit to the bit, right? Yes. <laughs> but, but own it, you know, and why not? Well, and, and that's, and that's what Travis, you are wearing, said. you're wearing red pants. <laughs> you, you, you and Travis Kelsey probably share clothes, by the way, because he's up there too. But you know what? So I I had the opportunity. So first of all, Travis, he, in, in the podcast that we had had uh, together, he talked about uh, owning it. He said, when he, when he got into trouble at college, it wasn't, it wasn't his coach. It wasn't his teammates. It wasn't the people he was hanging around. It wasn't the environment. It was always him. So own it. And, you know, he carries that mantra about his life. Well, for me, this bow tie, it represents fun. Like it, it is literally something for me Um, people come up to me all the time, like you with your gold shoes. And they say to me, I wish I could rock a bow tie. And I'm like, well, why can't you? And they're like, oh yeah, I'm too stocky. I got a short neck or whatever it may be. It's not about that. It's about put the damn thing on, walk with confidence and who gives a shit what people think about you. If you think my shirt's ugly, good. You know what? I got your attention. Now let's move forward and how to create more tactical ways to have more fun in your life. I get people that I ask to be like, so d- tell me about your gold shoes. Dude, they're heavy as shit. I'm, I'm, I'm standing here in place because these things are hard to lift. You know, it's like, it, but it really in the end, man, you get sucked into so many quote business things or whatever you're doing. Like I love going to an event. I love going to events with entrepreneurs, startups, stuff like that. Cause I love the beginning and the end. I, I wish I could avoid the, like, usually what we do in the middle, which is like, I don't know. I'm not, uh, okay, do? cool. Let's do the panel discussion. I'll be back. Yeah. Let, call me when you're done. But you know, some of that, some of, some of that having a little bit of, of light, um, you know, like bringing a little bit of fun and, and entertainment. And I've actually kind of expanded that to some of my, to my wardrobe and you know like there's no one that will wear a supreme hockey jersey and gold shoes to a formal event more than me i was recording a a podcast with jason grill who yeah well known has a political background and i was going to a luncheon with the governor of kansas and i was wearing jeans and gold shoes and a t-shirt and he was like is and I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm going to luncheon with the governor of Kansas on the show. Listen to it. Go back and listen to it. He goes, is that what you're wearing? And I was like, fuck yeah, that's what I'm wearing. He's like, you might want to change. I was like, okay, first off, Jason, I want to remind you that technically the governor works for me, <laughs> not the other way around. And I, if there's one way the governor will remember me, it's probably because of the way I looked. Now, I did actually have a collared shirt, like a polo. I put that on, but that was as far as I was going. Largely because at that point I had my two and a half year streak of not owning a suit still intact. Good for you, man. Because who gives a shit? Right. Fuck it. But you I got it. If I don't, if I don't feel comfortable, man, I don't want to sit there. So I'm not into it. Taking that point uh, down a path, especially related to the networking, the events that you go to, and all that stuff. You know, historically, I've always heard that LinkedIn is a place for professional stuff. So keep your personal stuff off of LinkedIn, right? And so uh, you've been very uh, nice and thoughtful and, and uh, showcasing, you know, some of the videos and the website and all that stuff out there. Dude, I'll post a speaker's reel, which I'm super proud about on LinkedIn. It'll get five, seven likes, right? Maybe a comment. Who's to say that even, anybody's even seeing it? Dude, I've been posting these, these videos every single day with me in my unfinished basement, singing a song with a, with a really deliberate message. And stuff is blown up. I mean, I've been interviewed for newspapers. I'm getting connected with all these individuals in life. And what I'm noticing is while we perceive to be LinkedIn, this place where you have to be professional and keep this stuff off, you're differentiating yourself if you're being an authentic version. So specifically, stop going to these networking events, asking questions like, what do you do? Be the guy with the gold shoes. Ask people what they're doing for fun. Ask people what their Mount Rushmore is of comedy movies would be. Like these are all experiences that you could create that take people away from wherever the hell they are and get them to a place where they want to be. You know, 350 podcast episodes or however many we're at, at over, I don't even know the life. I haven't even looked at the lifetime downloads well over a million. Uh, for those of you that have reached out and just sent notes, it, overwhelmingly people i love that you guys keep it real i mean look being an entrepreneur it sucks on like so many days like 
And if you want to, if I want to do a, the whole mission statement of startup hustle is to keep it real, man, is to try to help those listening understand the real fucking story of what it's like. Cause I think people think that you're going to start a business and then three weeks later, you're going to go home and like that movie scene, you dump all the money on the bed and you like roll around on it. You're like, yeah, <laughs> no, it's the opposite. You're going to sell your bed for the money that you need to pay right. your bills because you started a business and that's the way it goes. But, you know, we've been very committed to that. And I think that's what that is. There's, if you want people to listen to your message, there is no more fundamental basic rule than you got to be authentic. Yes. And, you know, and, and that's the thing is like, uh, you know, authenticity is about having fun because if you're not having fun, why the fuck do I want to watch, listen, <laughs> care? Like, cause I'm what I'm celebrating your shittiness. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's kind of the opposite <laughs> shit you know, or whatever. And, and th but that's the whole point is like, I, I don't know, man. It's like the, the number one thing we're I want to see in an entrepreneur is passion. And, yes. you know, I, and I talk to people all the time. They're like, you know, they're like, uh, I'll, I'll ask basic questions. They'll be like, oh, the business is doing this. The business is doing that, blah, 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 blah. And I say, are, are you having fun? Right. Is it still fun? And, and if it's not, there's issues. You've got to get through some of that. And that's going to be problematic. You know, it's not, it's not a good thing. It's not a good effect. It's not what you want happening. Well, with any anything related to your business or you. And and another thing too is without the authenticity, uh, dude, look, you're a bit oh, fake it till you make it. Not not that way. Yeah. Right? For you're, sure. You're, People always figure it out, man. It always comes out. So much like you said, you're like, yeah, I used to drink. I used to smoke weed. I was like, well, fuck, didn't we all? Yeah. Yeah. You know, true. like, yeah, I got a lot of flaws. <laughs> I mean, I, trust me, I, I'm so far from perfect that I get it. I mean, I'm not, you know, but that said, I, I care about people too. I care about helping people get what they want. Um, I find that if I help everyone get what they want, then I somehow get what I want. Um, and you know, that makes things fun. So, you know, if you're a leader, if you're someone, if you're trying to do anything and look, you can't build a good or decent workplace that isn't fun. My man. And, and, so, and being, and being fun doesn't mean how many bowling alleys, no. ping pong tables or air hockey tables we have. It means celebrating every, uh, each other's awesomeness and sometimes little wins, man. Like what do we win? You the, okay. You're, you're thinking what's good. Yeah. All right. For me, I'm like, hey, did we get any wins today? Yeah. And yeah, we we sent out some emails successfully. Fuck yeah, man! <laughs> Woo! Yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> right, right. But, but the thing is, is like after a day of sometimes repeated failure, sometimes that little like, okay, that was overstated, but we'll, I'll do that. I'll do that because if that's the biggest win I have to celebrate that day, then well, there you go. Well, Matt, That's you're what we're cool straight facts right now. So two things that you said that really resonated with me. A, I greatly appreciate you saying that fun doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, silly, zany, stupid, bowling alleys, all that stuff. Fun is defined however you defined it. For me, it's just whatever lifts you up as opposed to what doesn't. And so one thing that we know for certain is that organizations that promote fun or employee engagement in their workplace, so remove fun and insert the word employee or phrase employee engagement, you're going to reduce attrition. You're going to improve uh, or increase productivity. Uh, you're going to increase your employee engagement scores. And as a result, people are going to want to work with you and people are going to want to work for you. And as a result of that, your customer experience might be positively impacted. So all that is predicated by this one principle of fun or employee engagement. Now, the second thing that you said that that really jumps out at me, and I'd love to pick your brain on this because you said that it was a it was a, a two lane street here. Um, passion. You asked me earlier, uh, what advice or, or what tips for, for aspiring speakers would you throw out there? So many folks are good at something, right? And you've, I, I know that you've read the book, the e-myth you're great at something. So you become a, an entrepreneur and now you're, now you have to be decent at a lot of stuff instead of just great at that one thing. But as a speaker, I've known lots of individuals that say, I want to be a speaker. I'm going to make the leap. And their topic is what they think they're good at or what they think they're knowledgeable about. 
but rather that is not what you should be doing. What you should be doing is finding something that you're passionate about. Because I could hear you, Matt, you could be wonderful in terms of your knowledge level and wisdom in Microsoft Word. You could be the most skilled on the planet. If you're gonna do a one hour workshop with me on Microsoft Word, and you just convince me through that hour how smart you are and how much you know about Microsoft Word, I'm gonna be lost immediately. But if you're passionate about Microsoft Word and you express that passion on stage and through our interaction, well, dude, I will go with you wherever you take me. How do yeah, you feel well, about that as it relates to business and entrepreneurship? Because so many people gravitate towards what they're good at to, uh, to be the focal point of their entrepreneurial spirit when I believe that it takes more so passion than skill. So expand. You know, we were talking about smoking weed earlier, so I will quote Fish. Hell yeah! Right, one of my favorite bands, and they have a they have a phrase, a, a line in one of the songs. It says, "Shock and persuade my soul to ignite," and that's always meant a lot to me because you know, here's the thing: is I've realized, all right, you and I, we have this energy mm. in us that. Uh, I'm willing to bet that you were probably not a well-behaved child. I was not. And still I was not. A, <laughs> dude, I, I, I mentioned having a lot of flaws. Like, I, I was a fucking terrible kid, right. right? Like, I mean, they told me the shit was wrong with me. And, <laughs> and the, you know, like, I had to sit in the corner. Like, I was, like, separated from the other kids sometimes. Like, stuff like that. And then I realized that, and, uh, that you have ADHD, blah, 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 blah. I later realized that that energy, if I could manage to channel it or possibly pass it along was so fucking powerful because look, when you're okay, look, if you have kids, any five-year-old is energetic and you're like, God, if I could just be a kid again, yeah. and then we get old, we get fat, we get lazy, we get depressed, we don't care. And we would do nothing. We would, most people would do anything to have the kind of energy that I was at one point trying to get rid of. So I would, I realized that if, and with the passion, like as a leader, if look, all you can do is all you can do. Mm. So if you want to do something big, you're not going to do it by yourself. Yes, it's just not possible because you will max out in a hurry. So if you want to get people to be around you, you want to get them to believe in what you're doing, you have to have that level of passion and you have to be real about it. Like, I mean, I'll give a speech like it's it, so I have uh, we, full scale and today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by full scale. <laughs> I'm not even sure I mentioned that 45 minutes earlier. In. But, hey, that's par for the fucking course. We're putting a new intro that says brought to you by full scale.io and I, it'll be on this one so i hope you enjoyed it because i we get so bad at, at mentioning that we sponsor it but you know so i'll go we have all these employees in the philippines now and and the phil and filipino culture people with my kind of energy are rare yes they're very introverted but you know like our my our employees the feedback and we ask for it after i speak to the groups and i love speaking to groups because speaking to 10 people compared to speaking to 100 people is way different mm -hmm. i i do better in front of 100 people because mm -hmm. the energy can be contagious but and, but i'm very real i'm gonna say hey look i'm not gonna pr i can only make you one promise and that promise is that things will change so it, that's the only constant in the universe is change mm -hmm. so if you're upset that things changed or everything isn't the exact same way that it was a month ago, you're at the wrong place. But let me tell you why this change matters both for you, for the company and why what you're doing is significant. So, you know, I'll pass that energy along because, okay, so it, with remote development, if half of your, if the people that built are building your dream are in our office in the Philippines, it's very easy to have a disconnect there and for our employees to not fully understand how they are help, literally helping people live and obtain their fucking life's dream. So that's, you know, I, I pack that up on behalf of our clients, travel halfway around the world and then lay that out. And our employees come out of that. I mean, it's like, I mean, they're like, I think I could probably be a leader of a cult. Like on some level now, I'm not aspiring to that. Well, I mean, but the thing is, is that that energy is contagious. Mm. And, you know, in the video I was watching, you're talking, but we're all, a, we're all a ball of energy. Mm. Um, in my book, Balance Me, I talk about this. So like negative energy is the same way. It's it, energy is very contagious. 
And it's something that has to be handled and viewed in, in an appropriate way. Because if you put yourself in a room full of negative people, an hour later, come out of that, you'll, you'll feel negative, you will feel you will not have any energy, and you will likely be saying negative shit. Yeah. Same thing goes with a room of positive people. So like, if you can do anything to get that moving, um, it's funny because we sometimes, you know, Matt Watson owns Full Scale with me and Matt and Matt are on this podcast. We did a, a survey at 100 employees and we asked them, why did you come work at Full Scale? And the, the number one answer was Matt. Um, we, we, we weren't very, we, we, so we both take credit for it, but we weren't very, uh, but that, that meant so much to us because that meant they believed in us. Now you talk about having fun and building something. Look, you know, paychecks are great. Um, certain things are great, but people really, they want to have fun. They want to feel, they want to go to work every day, feeling like they have a purpose, that yes. purpose driven lifestyle. And at full scale, what we do, we, we use the term client obsessed. We are obsessed with our client's success because their success is our success. And we have fun help, helping them be successful, we trained ourselves mentally to believe like, Hey, this is, you know, our, this is my purpose. We have a almost non-existent turnover there. And that's because your staff, your people, those around you, including you, whoever's listening, if you don't feel that you have purpose getting up every day, eh, eh, you might jump off, you might jump off the cliff without the stuff to build wings. Yes. And I mean, that's just really it. So figure out what your purpose is. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the episode, like what, you know, the whole, like, what are you passionate about or what do you, what do you like doing? You know, I, 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 you can also retrain your whole thought process. Uh, I've been married twice, both to women named Jill. Ooh, um, the first Jill, no, okay. no, different Jill one and Jill two different people. But, uh, and uh, that's really confusing for some friends that haven't seen me for 15 years. They're like, wait, wait, uh, dude, you got uh, back with Jill. <laughs> Yeah, they're confused, but you know. So, but my first wife, when I first got into a career, she was she was like, "Dude, you're working too much. You need to have a hobby." So I tried all these different things, man. Like, all I mean, name it. And I and I came back to the solution or the the uh, answer that I really, really have a lot of fun making money. So I decided that my hobby was going to be making money, and I have not worked a single day since. Hmm. And I, I mean, I legitimately believe that because I have fun with entrepreneurship, with startups, with businesses, like at full scale. I, dude, I, I, we have dozens of clients that, I mean, we're helping people get what they want. And if we help them do that, I get what I want because they stay clients, they, yeah. they become, you know, whatever it is. And it's different for everybody. So really in the end is we kind of, you know, come to the end of, of this, uh, this podcast is like, if you're trying to figure out how to get what you want, I really think you got to start with helping everyone else get what they want. I agree. So, uh, I agree. The leader leaders eat last. Well, uh, so one thing to note, as we wrap this thing up, as the uh, startup hustle following, uh, is, is listening intently and hanging on every word. Uh, I'm sure they are an interesting and, and, and they're at fundamism.com <laughs> looking through all your stuff, buying your books and no, he's got I'm a book and a workbook. Saying. Yeah. I'm it all. What you're saying, um, do me a favor real quick for the, for the startup hustle listeners. Will you give me your mission statement again, or that tagline that you talked about the customer experience that you guys deliver? What's your goal? Client obsessed, your client obsessed guys. For those of you that are listening, guys and gals, for those of you that are listening, uh, as an entrepreneur, you go through all these exercises to identify what your mission statement is and what your value proposition is. And then you practice it and you do your elevator speech. What you just experienced over the course of the last seven minutes and what Matt DeCourcy was saying was a value prop filled with passion. If you look or you identify your value prop and you can't communicate it in a way that lifts you up, that builds momentum and energy and feel some form or sense of passion like Matt just conveyed to you, then you need to go back to the drawing board and try it again because that's what customers buy. They want to know that you're great and passionate about something that's going to add value in their life. And if you can't communicate it, then they're going to go with somebody else. You know, uh, to tack onto that, it's what clients buy, but if you, it's also what investors write checks for. Sure, 100%. Um, I mean, I, I got to tell you, like, 
I mean, I've, I have a list of people. They're like, dude, you're so passionate. You have so much energy. And if you ever decide that you want investors, make me the first call, you know, or whatever. And that, but the thing is, is that passion gets through it, you know, like, and that's, and you know, in the, in the theory of fundamentalism, you know, like if you can, it, dude, if you can get up and do what you're passionate about every day, like, dude, it's hard to have bad days. That's it. You just you lose track of the clock. Next thing you know, like, and it's, that's the, when we hire people at full scale, that is like, it's so you know, hiring programmers, you got to make sure they have technical aptitude and that's only half the story. So like, is this person a communicator? Are they a critical thinker? And then the big thing we look at is, are they passionate about what we are trying to hire them for? Because if we put passionate people that are smart and have skills with other innovators and thinkers, dude, like we, okay. So the result is we have literally in any month, 30% of our staff, we have to tell them that they cannot work that much. Wow. Think about that. Think about that. Like ha ha telling your people, you're like, dude, you, you can't work so much ball. <laughs> That's great. And you're like, what? Uh, and they don't, they don't even realize the t amount of time they put in mm -hmm. because we pair them up with stuff that they're passionate about doing. And that's different for everybody. Yes. Like, and no one can define your passion for you. Nope. Like you get it. You know what you're passionate about. You know what you're passionate about. It's what makes you feel good. It's what you could get up and get out of bed and do every day. So like simply, well, that's playing golf. Okay. <laughs> go find a fucking golf company to work for, do something. And if you're in sales and you're, and you're not successful, it's probably because you're trying to sell something, a product or a service that you're not passionate about. And no one gives a shit. Right. Right. Like I can sell you a zillion different things if I'm passionate about it. Like I always joke. I'm like, I use being a plastic salesperson. It's like the, the worst I'm like, well, you could be selling plastic somewhere, you know, and I don't even know what that means, but, you know, so gravitate towards the things that you, that you give a shit about and the rest of it kind of melts away, man. Cause you get past that bad day, you know, in that whole theory, you have a bad day, try to do a little better than you did yesterday. I mean, it is what it is. You're not going to win them all people. No, like, you just define fundamentalism. Like what, what a perfect closing. And, uh, I fail all day and then sometimes get it right. Dude, look, by the way, another thing with that, I, I love a good, you know, metaphor or comparison, you know, if it driving with your focus on the rear view mirror is dangerous, For Sure, it's not productive. You have no idea what your future direction is. Shit's past you, man. Like so many things are sunk. Like we just hired a new sales director that's changed our life and our business over the last couple months. And our COO is like, oh, it makes, kills me that we didn't do this sooner. I was like, nah, it gives a fuck. Yeah. Can you go back and do anything about it? He's like, yeah, good point. See him before. Right. I mean, and there are things that are sunk. Like, and, and I don't care what your past is. I don't give a shit what your fucking past is because your future is all that really matters. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care if you have a degree by the way, you are in a golden age of career advancement without a degree and a shitload of different things. So don't let that be the problem. Guess what I don't have that so many of my friends and family do have? Fucking huge student loan debt. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, dude, my sister's an anesthesiologist. She's like, yeah, I'm buying this house and then kind of paying for another one over here, except for I don't get to live in it. For so sure. there's an upside to whatever it is that you do. Like, it, it, you know, if a door slams in your face, don't let the door be right in your face and say there's no open door. Step back, turn around, look up, look down, and you might find you're in a hallway full of open doors. Who fucking knows? Or beat that mother lover down. Yeah, well, <laughs> I do that too. I just... I was trying to avoid violence, man. <laughs> I've already been like, I mean, in between like making today's homeschool lesson, the history of the Wu-Tang Clan, <laughs> yelling woo. And also I did. So, uh, and I'm going to, you know what? We're going to do this. So a funny fact about my wife. And if you know her, she is beautiful, sweet, and soft-spoken, but somehow knows every word to the Insane Clown Posse's Great Malenko album. Whoa. Uh, yeah, it's a shocker. And I told her that for my birthday, I would like to hear her perform that in its entirety. So, you know, that, that, that was my big win. I mean, I'm looking at the things that I just mentioned, and I'm like, dude, I'm winning. So, I mean, it's 2 o'clock. 
I don't normally timestamp the days, but we're recording this on a Friday. So like, I mean, look at what I'm riding going into the weekend, dude. Like, I mean, I really, yeah, yeah. So, hey, well, real dude, quick, thanks. shout out to Jill number two. She nailed it. Jill number two. Uh, I admire you. Even though you didn't want to spend time with me, I admire you. Uh, hey, she's you... afraid of public speaking, dude. She's never, we, 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 we were going to have our wives on and do an episode, which I still want to do, uh, about being married to an entrepreneur. Yes. Cause I just had my seventh anniversary and I like, exactly. it, you'll see it on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, she somehow managed to stick around after multiple businesses and dude, being married to me is fucking hard. I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah, some, some major winning there. Um, but yeah, so She's going to probably kill me for the great Malenko reference, but you know, so in between that and I mean, I don't even know what to say. All right. So look, if you want to learn more about uh, Paul, you go pauljlong.com. You got fundamism.com. All the stuff's in the show notes. You can find them on the gram, on Twitter. Uh, fundamism. I'm pretty sure you've got a lock on the search engine optimization there because <laughs> you've invented the word, which is good. Yes. I, Hey, I've invented a lot of words too. For sure. um, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, my favorite is actually, I, I believe I've invented the term democation. Democation. Which it's to demonstrate and educate simultaneously. There you go. I love it. Which by the way, is the best sales presentation you can get. For sure. So yeah. So anyway, I would love to hear the words that you've invented listeners and what you found interesting out of this. Make a comment somewhere, you know where to find us. See y'all next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.